Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back. We just took a quick break between Jackson and Mark. Maybe we'll air this first, actually, so maybe we're going to hear them after. I don't even know how Garrick's going to do it. So we'll just get into this lovely episode with Tamara and Leslie Smith. So first and foremost, ladies, I do want to get through your individual race experiences, and then we can talk about race dynamics unfolding as a collective and the broadcast, the venue, all that stuff. But first and foremost, I loved watching you two out there. It was great. The correct, the charisma, looking excited. Tamara going down the, the walkway. It looked like they had already kind of lined up most of the women on the dock, which was kind of different than most, you know, dock starts. Normally they kind of call you out one by one to a certain point and then everybody else goes. But it seemed like, how did the pontoon draw work for this particular race? Because that's a really interesting dynamic. Well, I know. Well, I'll just chime in. This is Leslie, not Tamara. And uh, I'll just say, we did for the PTO US Open last year, it was like that where a few people got spots ahead of time and then everyone else just filled in in the moment. But the way they did it this year is they had, and Tamara, let me know, maybe like the top 10 got to first. I, I mean, basically, I think they just went in order from race mm-hmm. numbers, which was also ranking yeah. and said, okay, you get to pick which one you want. Um, and they just went one by one. So by the time it got to me, I think there were like five or six spots still open. So I just picked the one closest to the middle that was still open. Yeah, I'm assuming like I think the the race numbers were based on whatever their current rankings are, I assume. And then um, it was just in that order. We submitted them on a spreadsheet to um, Dylan and then uh, got a list, I guess, before the start of what everyone had picked. But you, so you could see like whoever had to pick first just got to pick and then you could see whoever had picked before you what was left and where you wanted to go. And uh, um, yeah, I guess this is the first time where they've, they've like locked it in before the race as opposed to having like five to 10 people picking and then the rest of the people choosing as they're called up. I'm not yeah. sure that it really makes a difference. It was just interesting because it's not typical, but I think it was, it made the race starting a lot faster. It was like the top 10 get called out and then you're in the hands of the starter and you're gone. So I do appreciate mm-hmm. the way they get the broadcast going. Um, the women's race and the men's race were like two different books of triathlon. The women's race in terms of the swim specifically was like broken up into multiple groups of ones and twos women taking completely different route lines and trajectories out front. How did you feel being in the mix in terms of situational awareness and like, where the hell am I actually? Yeah, I, I really liked the swim course. I think that was kind of like the highlight of the courses here for me. The sighting was really good with the, the lighting at that time of day and the bridge in the middle of it. And it was a really fun atmosphere. There was a great crowd like around the, the run out and, and the start. Um, I, I could notice it was, you could see as you were starting, like I could tell that there were like weird, like different groups of women, as you can kind of see in the film of it, like taking different lines to that first boy right off the start. I could kind of tell in the water that that was happening. It was maybe a little confusing for a moment being like, whoops, who has the right idea here in terms of where they're, they're going. Um, 
And then I could tell that I was swimming with Jocelyn and Kat pretty early on. And there was just a group ahead of us who we were trying to get on the feet of that we, I guess, none of us really quite could, which was a little um, frustrating. But then they were a good group of, of uh, like two other people to swim with. And I think on the second lap, we caught Jeannie as well. Um, so I was like, overall happy, happy with that. And we could work together. It was kind of funny, Jocelyn McCauley on the... Um, like Australian exit like starting the second lap was like yelling instructions to me and Kat about how we needed to work better to try to catch more people and that we were like not drafting in an efficient way to benefit the whole group <laughs> I was kind of uh, I think in the end she was like right like we should have organized it the way that she was telling us to but in the moment it's a little bit like okay okay like let's just get back in the water <laughs> yeah we, we did see <laughs> from the footage there were a lot of women swimming side by side which is counterproductive mm -hmm. versus yeah. dropping back to the feet like you want to break the hip so I that's probably what Jocelyn was trying to do right yeah no completely she wanted us to be like swimming in a line to yeah. try to be faster together as a group as opposed to I think swimming beside is better if you're kind of like fending for yourself, but not if you're trying to catch a group ahead of you. Yeah. Leslie, what was your experience? That's funny because I had a very similar experience. Only my group of forest people was just behind Tamara's group of forest people <laughs> who was behind another group of forest. Like it was, it was like a bunch of um, like medium to small groups, it seemed like. And, you know, I had, you know, if you believe in self-fulfilling prophecies, I'd keep doing it with my swim starts. Like I just got dove in and I was like, yay, a clean swim start. And then somehow like three people were swimming over me. So I literally just stopped for just a split second, looked up. I saw Jackie Herring's pink sleeves. And I was like, I'm just going to head in that direction because it's, you know, it's a bright color that's easy to see. And then it just kept kind of breaking up. And I could tell who I, I, I was with her and Sky and Maya. I hope I, I'm hope I don't know if I'm saying her name correctly. So apologies if I'm not. Um, but it was us for pretty much the entire time. And Tamara, we could see your group up there, but it was kind of just one of those things you couldn't quite, you know, bridge up. And, you know, kind of similar experience, the run, uh, the, the run that you did in the middle of the swim was actually the longest one I've done with that type of swim. Yeah, it was so like 12, 1200 meters, I suspect they were calling it. Yeah, on a slippery carpet, like carpet yeah. is pretty slippery. <laughs> And I, and I was just like, let's go, let's go. Like I said something like that to just kind of cheer everyone on and then had a terrible dive back in, but whatever, it didn't matter. Um, and then the group just kind of stayed, you know, the same group the entire time. So, um, and then we all, yeah, got, it's funny as we were getting out and starting to run in transition, we heard them saying, Tamara, all the names that you just said, including yours. So it was kind of nice because you were kind of like, okay. I mean, I was personally, like, I, I, you know, was nothing crazy phenomenal, but I was really happy with it the swim in general, it was probably the best part of my race. <laughs> so, yeah. So the transition, the Aussie exit was a bit of a longer run than normal. looks like in the men's race, that's where some of the gaps actually were created with the women's race. It seemed like everything stayed pretty tidy. Even after that, maybe the front, you know, Lauren kind of put a little bit more gap into Taylor, but that really became irrelevant into the, you know, towards the end of the bike. So the women's race, was very much up in the air outside of, you know, maybe that top three or four positions, it seemed like. And how was the movement within the bike course? Because obviously we didn't get to see a damn thing of that. If you were outside the top 10, we didn't see anything. So how was that? Yeah. So my bike is what I'm most unhappy with. And I think that's really where I lost like the, the chance at 
this is more of a placing that I would like. Um, it, it really, it was so different from Ibiza actually, like the bike just spread out so much more. And um, I kind of, I haven't yet gone back to like look at the footage. I want to take a careful look at it to try to understand why that happened like whether it was partly just like taylor being so strong out of front but i don't know abitha had obviously some very strong cyclists too or I, it just um i felt like the the gaps that were opening up just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and i felt like i just wasn't pushing quite the power that i'm capable of now but i wasn't not trying it was kind of not horrible but there were a few like key points where I needed to go with someone and I was trying to and I just like couldn't quite make it work so the first one was trying to get out of transition with Kat and trying to stay more with that group of women and I just couldn't quite and then when Sky passed me I was like okay perfect I just have to like keep her in contact and I just couldn't quite and uh I was a little surprised. It was like a, just kind of a little disconcerting as it was happening. And um, I don't know, it just wasn't my day on the bike. I, I find those seven lap courses kind of challenging too. My cornering isn't like horrible, but it's not good either. And, and that kind of gets to me a little bit, I think. And I just get, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't like seven laps. So it's something I need to work on. <laughs> Real quick interjection on that, maybe just a, a comment even, um, and this is just what I've noticed over the women's field over the years of watching it race is you know, the 70.3 distance, that 12 meter is substantially different than 20 meters. And what I've always noticed is some of the best or worst cyclists in women's, um, you know, there's a huge gap and that gap doesn't really, that gap changes quite a bit in 70.3 to a point, but then that 12 meter draft range within 70.3 Ironman racing keeps everything a little bit tighter, I believe. And I think the 20 meter draft rule for the women's field, it exposes a lot of the other, you know, aspects of the race that maybe some of the women just didn't have the legs on the day. And that gap is going to grow even larger because that 20 meter rule is significantly less advantageous than 12 meters. So as I thought this, I was wondering if that was maybe why it kind of blew up so much. I hear you on that, but I still, as I said, like I found the dynamics in Ibiza really different. And that was also with the 20 meter difference. Um, so just different legs, different course, you know, that's pretty much. Yeah. Weird. And, and Tamara, maybe, I don't know how it was at the European open, but it, you know, in a way I liked, you know, cause on one end we didn't do a U-turn, but it was a tight, it was, you wouldn't call it a 180, but it was still technically a U-turn right mm -hmm. on one end. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end, it was like, a 180 and then a dog leg, that's what everyone was calling it, um, yeah. that were pretty tight. And no matter how, I think no matter how good of a, like technically good you are on the bike, everyone, you had to slow down pretty, like pretty significantly. And in a way I kind of liked that because it broke up like a very flat, you know, a little more up on the way up, a, a little more down, you know, the other way, but um, it broke, it kind of broke up a pretty flat course, which was kind of nice. And then it also allowed you to see, you know, cause I ended up by myself and it was just still nice to be able to see people, you know, be like, oh, okay. The so-and-so isn't that far ahead of me. So I, in those ways, I appreciated it, but I do agree with Tamara. It's not like I executed super well on those because it was kind of technical at the end of the day. 
Um, and that is something that I always just think, is there someone out there who can come coach us on that and teach us? Because it just, you know, how many races have I said, oh, if my technical skills were a little better, um, you know, I need to quit saying that and, and do something. But um, I, I had a similar experience. Well, Leslie, I can promise you when we get our team camp set up for early next season, we will make a couple of days focused on how we're going to make the rest of the camp focused on you overcoming some of these little technical things. I agree. I think there's low hanging fruit to be had there for even some of the male cyclists were saying that they were yeah. putting a lot of time back into the the gaps that were opening up just on the straight line stuff. So yeah, cornering and technical skills played a bit of a factor in this race. Now, what about the race ranger aspect? Was that helpful, disadvantageous, or what do you think? I mean, I really, oh, yeah, Tamara, you go, go ahead. Like, go, go, I go, just go. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, I, so I have, uh, you know, the race ranger, that's the first time I've used it. And, you know, just to tell everyone who's listening, it's like pretty much in front of, you know, there are sensors on everyone's bike and in front of you, you're looking at the back of the person's bike right in front of you. And if you see a red light, that means you're within the 20 meter. So that's a no, no in theory. And then if it is blue, then it's like 20 to 22. And then there's yellow when you're like 22 to 25 meters. So you have those three lights and, you know, I, I really love what race ranger is doing. And I think it's awesome that we had it there. And I hope that it just keeps getting used more and more in the sport and that they get even more data that they can use, you know, in this race, it was pretty much perhaps the officials looked at it, but I felt like it was a lot for us to be able to tell where we were at. And, you know, I had a little trouble because if someone passed me, which a few people did, um, I would see the red and I would start getting paranoid when really like, that's okay, because there's time, still time for that person to move ahead of me. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I would see, I just had a lot of trouble, like staying in that blue area. I was seeing a lot of red and yellow um, going in and out. So, uh, but, but overall, I, I think it was great. And um I guess, yeah, I hope it just gets utilized more and more. And like I said, it'd even be cool to see, you know, data afterwards of like, <laughs> who is in the red the most? I, yeah. I don't know, not to pick individual people out, but it would be interesting to see. No, I agree. I think that that is why Race Ranger is there, is to collect data that we can use to see how well are we doing as athletes to ride as legal and fair as possible. And if there are large infractions in the in the one to two minute range of people who've been in that red time, then yeah, I mean, that should be hypothetically added back to their race time to a certain percentage. Um, Tamara, go ahead. Your, your thoughts on. Yeah, no, I mean, pretty similar. I, uh, we used it in Ibiza as well. And I really like having it as a visual cue rather than just having to sort of rely on like markers on the road or, or other things to, to try to gauge the distance. I think it makes that, that a lot easier. Um, for the athletes to have something to help. Um, but definitely the delays, like it doesn't kind of switch right away. There is a bit of a delay in terms of where you're at and when the light will switch. And I do find um, like trying to be very respectful of the distance that can make you fall further back than than 20 meters pretty quickly a lot. Or And it's, it's a, I don't know, just work in progress to try, I think for me to try to like gauge exactly where to stay without like losing more contact than what you're allowed to have by that, that 20 meter distance. Um, uh, and, and obviously each athlete seems to like 
try, ride a slightly different line with that. And, and so everyone's kind of figuring out the technology. Um, but yeah, I think it's helpful. I think it, it would be nice if there is sort of like more use of it by the, by the officials over time. I, I heard um, there was a lot of, there was even like, I think the commentators, a little bit of discussion about officials trying to discuss like when they felt it was relevant to look at the race ranger lights and when it wasn't. And, and it felt like maybe some of that still being sorted out a little bit, but well, um, we, I, I think it's a great thing overall. We did talk about it earlier that PTO is kind of notorious for like deciding when it's good to call penalties. And they've kind of had a little bit of a hand in that matter, which in, you know, obviously all of our opinions probably shouldn't be an opportunity they should be able to have. Um, yeah, I remember from Edmonton, um, I think Charles Adamo was quoted, you know, not, I, I don't know the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of penalty calling procedures and all that jazz. Um, I think that's kind of the gist I heard. I, I know this is all new technology. It's all for reference, but I didn't see any position penalties called on the bikes. I don't think. Um, but I did see Jan Ferdino throw his swim skin after he crossed the mount line to an official and was not penalized and nobody else was really, allowed. yeah, nobody else was That's ridiculous. Left. Cause they were so hardcore with transition penalties for other athletes. Yeah. And then that makes Leslie, you kind of think. <laughs> and then Leslie does get a penalty for, you know, crossing the line after dismount, running back and then dismounting properly and then leaving a visor outside of the bin. So you got a 30 second penalty for that, Leslie. Yeah, I, I did. And, you know, I mean, I knew I knew we were supposed to put the stuff back in the bin and I just had race brain and I'm not used to that rule. So, you know, I guess that that's what I get. You know, I would I would hope it was consistent across all athletes. Um, but I, I felt pretty dumb about that one because they stopped me on the run. And the first thing I said, I go, what did I do? <laughs> so they were like, we're not sure. And then they, and then they heard, they're like, oh, it was a transition. You didn't put all your stuff in the bin. Yeah. And so, you know what? It didn't change the amount of money that I made on a day where I was pretty far back and not having a great day. So it's all good. But, um, yeah, it, I blame race brain and, um, yeah, I felt kind of dumb for that one. Well, you no, and, and made mean, a mistake. Yeah. And like, I, I just feel Leslie, like it shouldn't, whether the penalty affects the outcome or not, should not be a criteria for deciding whether it's a penalty. Right. Like it's quite clear what you can do or not do to get a penalty. And the penalties need to be based on that, not based on like assessments of placing and how it's yes. going to affect that. No, I you're agree. right. You're right. It needs to be as objective as possible. And I think, you know, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't across the board. I don't know the exact procedure that should have happened with an athlete crossing the dismount line, removing their swim skin and tossing it to somebody on the side. I don't know if that's actually in the fine print of that's well, it's clearly not putting everything in your bin. It's not putting it, but it's, it's not not putting everything in your bin. I'm not defending it, but I'm just saying maybe there's an argument to be had, but also like discarding an item on the side of the course purposely could be forced littering. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I thought, I thought about that too. Um, and you know, it's, it's just, yeah, it's hard. Cause those in the moment that, you know, the race officials are in charge and I guess no one's perfect, but it's like, you can't really do anything about it in the moment. And you just, again, you hope it just becomes, you know, gets more and more objective. Well, 
for a, as professional as a sport as we're trying to become, we've seen some pretty big infractions this year in terms of safety uh, rules being a little bit kind of fluffed in this case. And then in Matt Sharp being disqualified also at a race um, the weekend or two prior in, in Maine for having his top unzipped when there's pictures of people finishing and winning races with their tops unzipped all over the place. So there's a lot of really fine tooth combs that are causing some ripples, especially when it comes to motos and safety. And I think PTO reacted to that pretty well with putting the motos on the outside of the course where there wouldn't be any crossover between them and the athletes. So good on them. Um, there's a lot of positives, you know, there's a lot of good technology. However, when we're going to broadcast a race and we're utilizing technology and we can clearly see athletes who are from an overhead drone view that are not riding within the same gaps as everybody else because it's you know measured by those also um those staggered lines in the middle of the street are pretty easy to measure as well when there's athletes riding that close and nothing's happening it does throw a bit of shade into your trust into the dynamic so i hope it gets better i'm sure it will we just have to as a collective of athletes speak up i think that's the biggest problem is everyone's a little too nervous to say anything um but that's just a bit of a soapbox moment for me. Moving into the rest of your races, of course, Leslie had to serve a penalty. Tamara, we were all hoping that you would be able to run your way into the top 10. So amazing, amazing work. What did that feel like coming off the bike? Were you getting splits? Did you know a deficit? Um, and what kind of mentality did you take into that run? Um, it was a little hard coming off the bike. I was because the race was so spread out it sort of took a while to get little patches of people to focus on um so a lot of the run felt pretty lonely <laughs> um and I just find when you're when you're in that state it's a little bit like you just have to try on faith to get the best out of yourself sometimes with like not like like obviously like some friendly spectator um cheering at one side of the course and like uh, Chris was there giving me splits particularly to sky who I did catch at the very end who was sort of like my goal for for a lot of the run to try to catch so that was a little more exciting for me at the end because uh, she was running actually pretty well too so no doubt. running her down took, took work <laughs> yeah. so thank goodness I was so grateful to her for that she really helped me through what was otherwise a bit of a tough and lonely run um like it's a pretty course um uh, part of it by the water was really beautiful uh, a lot of laps their lap counter was kind of confusing so I actually got like kind of disoriented at the end I wasn't sure whether I was on like my fourth lap or my final fifth lap for a little bit because um, their lap counter showed you like how many laps you had done I guess and I had kind of expected it to sh tell you more like what lap you were st I don't know I got or a little or probably how many, how many you had left probably is what you were wondering yeah, yeah. I thought it would tell I thought it was kind of supposed to tell you what lap you were starting, but it was telling you what lap you were finishing. Okay. Um yeah, that's always yeah. a bit of contention. A lot of athletes have had race brain on on that occasion. <laughs> um so yeah, I don't know. And and I think like I'm not unhappy with 10th, but I um, you know, it's my second best result in a PTO open if I had run that last year. I would have been very happy with it, but I, I just really want to keep leveling up this year. And I felt like Ibiza went a lot better for me overall. And um, so it just felt, yeah, I felt a little mixed. It was a little like, I'm not 
I don't think this is bad, but um, it's not like my celebration day either. So it's, I don't know, just a little, I don't know, medium, medium feelings in the finish. Yeah. Uh, to be expected, you didn't have the best bike legs you wanted. You had to be, you were wanting more and then you had to really wonder where the hell you were going to end up because there's probably not a lot of information out there and it felt really lonely. So that's tough. And that's why when we talk about even what Jason West did, it was just mind blowing that you, he came from, you know, whatever outside the top 10 and ran it, ran into that. So coming in with the gaps, I mean, the gaps for the mm -hmm. women's field were even bigger. So running yourself into 10th based off the bike, you were not happy with, like, that's still really respectable. Tough to be happy with it. Cause it wasn't where you know you should be, but overall, I think that that's a great synopsis. Well, should I chime in with not so good, not so, uh, positive? well, Leslie, Leslie, just before you, you downsize all your, your greatness, um, you know, you always have a great attitude and your run. We always know you're going to fight back hard, even if it's like tooth and nails. So how, how was it out there? Well, you know, actually for me, I felt better biking on, you know, on Saturday than I did running. And by the way, everything I'm about to say, I'm just saying relative to myself, like I'm not like, I understand like it's close to about the best competition you can get in long course racing. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I should have gotten this specific place or anything like that. I just wish I would have felt like my normal self. Like I wish I would have felt as sharp as I did running two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to claim to know what the result would have been, but I, it would have been better. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would, I would just say, yeah, I, I felt a little flat. And, and again, two weeks ago also felt better riding. Um, and when I say better, I just mean sharper and snappier. Uh, just, you know, we all know that feeling in our body, the kind of sharp versus flat feeling. Um, and, but I felt fine and my, and my Watts were fine and, you know, some pretty, you know, people weren't getting super far ahead of me or anything. And I just started running and I was like, huh, this feels a little off. And, um, then I kind of started getting the chills off and on when I really thought I executed the nutrition I needed to on the bike, which was really frustrating because once that starts happening, you know, you know, that's kind of at that point in the race, hard to really come back from, even though I tried, you know, I did a gel, I tried to get in the Gatorade water. And then I just kind of got to the point where I was like, well, you know, anyone who finishes at this race gets a paycheck and I'm really appreciative of that. And so I'm just going to keep plugging away. And, um, my left foot went numb. And so that was a new one. And I just, again, I, I just felt I, for relative to myself, I honestly, I felt better biking than I did running. And I just wish I would have felt as snappy as I did two weeks ago, but that can't always be controlled. You can't control where your body well, is at that time. Well, two, and, two weeks ago, did you feel that snappy at five, yes. 6 PM? Oh, you're right. You know, uh, no, it, I did. It was it, in the morning. <laughs> that how did that was, late late start affect everybody yeah oh, weird to have the sun going down while we we're finishing <laughs> yeah yeah it was weird I, I just know for me it, it wasn't a good run and I was getting the chills and I messed something up and I was getting super dizzy um I have no idea what it was um if it's something that was affecting everyone or me or I messed up my nutrition somehow in those conditions I really don't know I just know that I didn't feel great but I finished and yeah, it was cool to be there. So I, I mean, I don't want to just complain, but I also want to be relatable because everyone who's done a triathlon or, or a handful of triathlons has had ones that feel better than others. So yeah, 
you got to have the, you know, seven out of 10 rule, at least seven are okay. And you got three that go really well, then you're having a good career. Yep. Totally. So, so the yeah, four, the four, life, but... the 4 PM start though, um, that's not traditional, even, you know, unless you're doing short course. Now we saw that affect some of the men's field pretty heavily. Um, it didn't seem like the women at the maybe top five or top four were really experiencing as much, but we couldn't really see again what was happening in beyond that. We didn't see any moves or any people fading back fast. And was there any comments maybe after the race that women were having any issues due to that start time? I don't, I really don't think so. Like I didn't really hear anything. I mean, I think everyone just during the day tried to, I know Tamara and I talked before the race, like, you know, I tried to wake up and have like more of an egg centered breakfast and, um, some rice and some things like that. And then I tried to just do, you know, I had coffee again and had mm-hmm. my kind of normal breakfast I do before 70.3, but I just had it at like one thirty ish too. And I tried to be drinking electrolytes throughout the day and, and, and sorry, I'm, I'm not just trying to get into my details, but I just don't know that the start time, I, it didn't really bother me. I don't really think it affected me. Like I just said, I mean, who knows, but I thought it was kind of a, a fun little change of change of um yeah waking up whenever you want Mm -hmm. you know it was terrible for post-race ice cream though the ice cream store closed at 10 30 and i wasn't quite finished with doping control by 10 30 so that kind of you know ruined my post-race all right every pto (laughs) race you do tamara you got to have a pint in the freezer (laughs) that's okay we we got very good ice cream the next day but it it just um yes that that was not ideal (laughs) Yeah, I didn't sleep really until like 3 a.m. from yeah. the caffeine to the race, but whatever. The race yeah. Was over, so <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of the similar posts. Um, so in terms of, I, I think we've gotten all gotten it out in the air that PTO is still elevating the sport. Appreciate all the hard work. They're clearly, you know, they're, they're a business, they've got to make money. So the age group race seemed like it went off really well. Um, the commentators and the broadcast. Loved seeing Rennie out there. Um, loved, loved parts of what Jack Kelly was doing. Um, did you, did you both watch the men's race? Yeah, I watched it off and on throughout the day, and I actually really appreciated it. I was bummed because I liked how last year we got to be done and then go hang out and watch the men and eat the food in the VIP tent, you know. Um, but I actually thought it was good race prep to be able to watch it. And Tamara, maybe you felt the same way. And I was, and I told Rennie this when I saw her after the race. I was like you, she does such an amazing job and that would be really difficult. That's a long time to be commentating on something. And yeah, I think she does. Well, her and Jack did well too. Cause he yeah, would kind of, did well together. Yeah, he would kind of be like fact grabbing and saying all this stuff. Like every pro triathlete he's talking about is his, their best friend. And then Rennie would be like, eh, I'm not sure about that. Like I liked the, <laughs> I, I liked the information on both sides. I like the speculation. Yeah. Um, I didn't, necessarily appreciate that you know the race was kind of already predetermined right after maybe the the aussie exit for the men it was like oh this is the race this is what's going to happen um women's race was a little bit harder to to get that way but for sure the front runners were getting pumped up pretty hard um what did you all feel on the men's race and would you like to see that same situation again 
I, I think something I thought was a little funny, I swear that they were calling Mark Yon for a little bit when he first got out of the water. I think that he was the first like regular swim cap to get out of the water and they're which I, I think they were green or something like that. I was on site because I, I watched the men swim and then part of the bike before I had to go to the airport to pick up my coach Suzanne and um like they corrected it eventually but right at first I was like okay Mark's gonna be one of the first people Mark's gonna be one of the first people and they're like first like green swim cap it's yawn and I'm like I think that's an RTS suit <laughs> so I don't know if I just heard them wrong but I was laughing at them a little bit for that until they they did figure out who Mark was eventually <laughs> yeah they got Mark he got his five minutes of fame leading the swim that was a, that was a gem um but yeah i and definitely there was a bit of like okay christian's out of the water and fourth and now he's gonna like i don't know for sure be first or second or which um you know obviously just is an understanding like i think what jason did was um you know like excellent and an amazing day for him but not 100 it shouldn't have been completely unexpected like it was a possibility so no one should be trying to call a triathlon on the like first leg of it like that. Yeah. But also, also they do have to talk for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it's really, really hard to, to I'm find not saying, good filler for that. I'm not saying I'd be the best at it either. Obviously I still mess up even on this level. So I get it. It's not, <laughs> um, but I think the men's race versus the women's race, the men just, I think, try to kill each other on the bike and then we don't run like the run most guys will either do pretty well or just straight up blow up and kind of have subpar races i think the tactic nature of the men's race is just so you know so bike heavy right now um in the women's race you all seem to really stay with within yourselves more um pace a little bit more strategically and i i really like love watching the women's race more than the men's race sometimes yeah, that's an interesting observation. And I, I think maybe, yeah, that is a difference. And I do think, and Nick, I've probably said this to you a lot, but I think that, you know, especially in fields where there are fewer women, um, you know, maybe women, because more women just kind of end up doing their own thing. Yeah. And being like, and I know as someone who has ended up in no man's land a bunch, I no woman's land a bunch. I, um, you know, at that point, you just kind of have to just stay present, look at your own power meter and uh just kind of stay in touch with how you're feeling and do your own thing and and i think yeah more women end up doing that in a race than men if if i had to say yeah and you can end up with a great result even if the bike doesn't go well i mean we've all had pretty good runs off of pretty terrible bikes and they've either ended on a podium or just meh so anything can happen mm -hmm. yeah that's a great point um both of you well leslie you're not going to 70.3 worlds am i correct Correct. I am not. Okay. Tamara, Tamara will be. Yeah. I'm and you're not on Friday. So yeah, you're getting over there early, not going to do the, um, what is it? Singapore Asian open. Yeah. Is that... No, no way. Thank goodness. Yeah. That race will be <laughs> <That was> a <laughs> lot. <laughs> the, the bike, cause I, as I keep saying, I'm not the hugest fan of these like many, many laps on the bike, which I, I just need to learn to, like, I'm sure I can get over that. It's just not what originally attracted me to triathlon bike courses, but Singapore, it's eight laps. And I think the, the lows have been like 32 degrees Celsius, which uh, you'll have to translate to Fahrenheit, but it's very hot, yeah, very hot that's... and humid. So I think it could be like a cool experience, like as some kind of focus, but not like a week before Worlds thrown in there <laughs> is, is anyone do we know of anyone who's doing all three 
both PTO yeah yeah there are a bunch I know for sure um Ellie uh Salthouse and uh Ann Reichman who was eighth yes uh eighth on Saturday they both are Ann was saying like she's just never been to Asia and it was a really cool opportunity and at first she thought that it sounded insane to try and uh, I'm like kind of the opposite I guess my whole support team was like no way do not do that but her whole support team was like you must take advantage of this cool opportunity so it's it's interesting to see yeah um what people are deciding and, and you know you bring up a good point I think that it would because I, I I got a roll down invite to Singapore but I just the tickets right at this point are like really ridiculous but you know it, it for these things like I'm sure it would be a cool experience to go to Singapore and to race there no matter what. But I think in triathlon with these race trips and the race travel, you're just kind of consistently trying to, sorry, not consistently, constantly trying to balance out, even if it's a cool experience, how much stress is too much stress yeah. from the travel yeah. and the time changes. No, and what such a good point with like the, the financial stress from the travel as yes. well. Totally. And so it's, it's constantly this way, weighing out these variables game I have found when it comes to races and traveling because most people aren't just, you know, other than Nick with St. George and me for Boulder, most of the time you're traveling for a race. So, which is also another point. Um, we don't have to talk about it a lot. Um, I, the hundred thousand dollar first place, $50,000 second, $30,000 or 35,000 third, is that roll down appropriate? And, you know, is that a good move for triathlon to have just that mm. mega hundred thousand dollar purse available as a statement piece, or should that funnel down a little bit more? Maybe it's a fifty thousand dollar first place, and then second and third are yeah. a little bit more close, and then it goes. I mean, how do you feel about that? Okay, my honest feelings on this: I really hate it. I hate what they've done with it this year, and and I can understand wanting. I mean, I. I think it's great to like reward the podium really significantly. And it's amazing the prize purses they've been able to put together compared to what has been in the norm uh, in the sport. And so that's, that part is great. But Leslie and I were sort of talking about it and we're like with the the cutoffs this year, so having like $50,000 difference between first and second place. um, I feel like even if they could just make that a little bit more even within the podium, even if they didn't care about the whole rest of the field and they're like, let's just, make this a little bit more um I don't know equitable within the top three I I think the cutoff is too steep and I'm not sure that um that it's worth just being able to make first place sound flashy with a hundred thousand dollars sounding like a flashy number I really love the atmosphere at especially Edmonton last year where the prize first went so much deeper and everyone there was so grateful for that and just felt so um, supported. What was it, because what was it at Edmonton? Do you recall? Oh, I forget, but I think I made like $13,000 for 13th place. Um, I think the, the difference between first and second place, it was like $100,000 for first and $75,000 for second. So it, it was still, you know, like obviously still a big difference there, but just not quite as extreme um but and the money a, went pretty was that deep a million dollar purse for that one though yes yes it was a bigger prize first so but I, I just think um 
yeah, but it, it, it people were so grateful and, and it is, it can be such a precarious sport to make a living in. So just, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really like the direction they've gone with it. I, I personally would rather the first place made a little bit, little, a bit less, but still a huge amount. And then everyone got just a little bit more through the field, or at least the second place got a little bit more. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I can't put myself directly in those shoes. I haven't been on that $100,000 podium and asking if I would be okay taking $50,000 away from that so that the rest of my athletes underneath me could, you know, have their expenses paid a little bit more. I mean, I think personally for me, I'd be okay with that. Now I'm not everybody. And I know triathlon and triathletes are very tight knit. We all want each other to do well. At the end of the day, I don't think anyone's out to want to see somebody get ruined at all. So, I mean, maybe the PTO is just doing what the PTO said they were going to do and copy a little bit of the the prestige of maybe some of the the Wimbledon's or the tennis um, kind of business opportunities. And maybe having that hundred thousand dollar purse matters that much to them, just to be better than Ironman by that huge margin. So I, I'm not sure the direct impact, but I could just kind of guess that might be why, but it does seem like if the PTO wants to last and if we want to really have trickle down economics, like they've been talking about, then how about you actually trickle down economics and trickle down that front prize purse to the you know, 20th and maybe 20th gets five grand. Yeah. Um... And and I think too, well, and I was just going to say, Tamara knows, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I generally agree. And, you know, I will say what you both said, I believe PTO has their reasons and maybe I don't really know those and understand, but they have their reasons for it. And it's a good reason. And I also think that, you know, just PTO being there in general is providing more money in the sport for people. So, you know, all yeah. those things being said to me, I would just say it doesn't quite make sense just because, I mean, it's 50%, you know, second place is not 50%. The athlete is, is first and, I know that's not like really the math that's being done anyways, but I just think it wouldn't just make a little more sense to me if, you know, like Tamara said, it, it, those top three at least were a little more, e not even, yeah. but like spread out. Like just not, out not out. quite as sharp. And I don't, I don't think our criticism on this point is like, or our feelings are like it, that it needs to be a major change. It's just like, yeah, totally. Little changes would feel very different. I think yes. is kind of my feeling about it anyway. Yep, I, I agree. So it's not saying that first place shouldn't be like a huge amount, much bigger than everything else. It's just maybe like not quite to that degree. Of course. I mean, we're part of this athlete or owned organization, quote unquote, but uh, it'd be nice to have, you know, dogs. But, but I think Nick, I was kind of telling you this before, like, I, I don't think that my feelings on this would change if I was in a different placing in the race so like my dream is to be um you know like having the miracle day where I place first and I'm still giving you this opinion not the day where I came 10th and I'm giving you this opinion because I think um I don't know for me I don't think it would change depending on where I'm ending up in, in that placing it's um I don't know something that I feel just concerned about in terms of of sort of like the ethos of the sport and in ways that long course triathlon is um uh yeah i don't know has has been like nice as a sports community for me or things that i i kind of see in it that i've valued before yeah i think 
it's like anything just because it's growing and there's more money and people are getting paid more. doesn't mean it's a perfect system. doesn't mean it's, there might be more, but does that mean it's better or appropriated for the longevity of everybody or just for the top five that the PTO wants to contract to only race for them and to, you know, are the rich in the sport only meant to get more, you know, it's all that stuff. So yeah, just my, hold on, my door is going to close. Just a couple, oh, they're back. Kids, they just got to make some noise. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just my very low level opinions. Um, but thank you for sharing yours as well. I think that we all just want to see triathlon get elevated, but we just want to make sure it's not done at the cost of some of our competitors or at to the misfortune of somebody who just was second place and got $50,000 less. Yes, totally. Totally. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see where everything goes, you know, over the next few years. Yeah. It'll all change. I'm sure. But you got your race schedules coming up next and overall, I think we're all super stoked. Tamara, we're really going to love to see all your stories and social media content you're going to put together in Finland, right? Uh, right. Of course, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I've been thinking I need like a social media break for Finland, but I'm sure that That's fine. isn't what's actually going to happen. <laughs> I'll have some stuff up there. I think that you'll be inspired so much by your surroundings that you'll just be capturing it. That's what I was just going to say. I think, Tamara, you're going to not be able to help taking some photos and videos. And then I'll be like, That's kind of what, what happened in South Africa for my honeymoon. I remember Nick being like, you need to post lots of beautiful travel photos. And I was like, no, no, no. I need to just like enjoy my honeymoon. And then I was like, beautiful beach. <laughs> like whatever yeah. in South Africa. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you all live very individual, unique, amazing stories. And, you know, being part of RTS, we want to show everybody. So thank you for all you do. And of course, I think this has pretty much been the episode we were looking for, your your two cents on this and that, your experiences. And of course, we look forward to seeing you both on the podium again. Leslie was just on podium. Uh, Tamara, we know that Finland's going to be a good course for you. So yep. can't wait to I have see a good, that goes. Yep. Uh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just no, about to say that, so I was agreeing. <laughs> I think yeah. it'll be good for you. Oh, and, well thank you i I will see but Tamara, i think it'll be a fun experience <laughs> yeah you're just too too modest to say anything that's gonna pump you up too much and that's fine we'll do it for you okay thank you yeah. uh yeah i don't know 10 10th feels humbling so <laughs> i think it'll be a good uh it was like a good i don't know mid-season rest fester for me hopefully that'll send some good fuel with me to finland <laughs> i think it will i think you're You'll be pissed off at some point and really take it out on somebody. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Um, all right. So yeah, good episode. Anything else, ladies? Cool. Not Thanks. really. I mean, Thanks. I think we covered a lot and it was an interesting experience being there. So glad we got to chat about it. Yeah. Okay, so thanks a bunch. Yeah, oh, I guess I guess just last thing, like positive thing about the event, like the atmosphere in Milwaukee was awesome. I think it was um you know up there with Edmonton I thought had a really good atmosphere and just like you know Dallas was so hot last year there were no one wanted to be outside watching a triathlon and the crowd support in Milwaukee was really nice and they have a beautiful waterfront so I really enjoyed that part of that event I agreed I think I loved watching it and seeing people out I saw some RTS shirts out there too that I had never recognized those folks so that was great to see some team support 
Um, and in the future, what my goal is, is to anybody who like SAGs or homestays or anything for any of our pro athletes, um, we're going to have a special care package sent to you that, you know, special shirt with the badge of honor. It just says, I proudly supported a RTS pro. So that's going to be something I want to institute next year to say thank you to all the people who support us. So maybe even get a coffee mug. I don't know. I got to see if my kids will make some more of those because I bought all the supplies, but the coffee mugs aren't getting made. So we'll see what I got to do for that. Um, I, I've still been waiting for my coffee mug. So thank yeah. you for the update on that. We're going to get those coffee mugs real quick, I think. So don't you worry. Um, but yeah, that's coming down the pipe. And in the meantime, thanks a ton for listening. And uh, yeah, peace. Out. Out. Thanks, Tamara. You nailed it. I got ish to do. Flying through the sky in my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise. On a one-man mission trying to see it through.